Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 7 of Leadership Trademark Podcast. We are very excited to introduce a new series focused on the tools of Leadership Trademarked. As you've listened to our previous episodes, you have listened to the wisdom of extraordinary guests who have generally shared their personal journeys, but now we are absolutely ecstatic to unveil the next chapter of our podcast mission, a chapter that promises to arm you with the essential tools needed to craft your unique path as a leader. In this particular episode, we have the privilege of hosting a truly remarkable guest, Dr. Mary Grogan. She'll be sharing her profound wisdom on self-reflection, encapsulated beautifully in the seven C's of global leadership. Enjoy! Welcome to episode seven of Leadership Trademark. I'm your host, Sylvia Fraser, and together with Leslie Riley and Ross Kingsmill, we welcome a remarkable guest who embodies the essence of our show. Dr. Mary Grogan is not your ordinary educator. She is a true champion of social justice and a leading advocate for a humanist approach to leadership. With a career spanning diverse communities and continents, she is a true global force for positive change. And Mary is the author of The Seven Seas of Global Leadership. Welcome to our show, Mary, and so pleased to have you here. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me in, to be in your presence tonight. It's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you again. And so I'll lead in with a question to get us started here. What do you see as the real challenge right now? That's an excellent question because it's simplistic and my answer isn't. But I think the rapid rate of change is the most challenging aspect of what's happening now because it's happening on every level and it's happening collectively. It's happening around systems. It's happening globally. It's raising more questions at a speed of complexity that leaders are wanting to react, which is a very dangerous thing to do with change. So the rapid complex process of change on every level, whether it's geographic, the migrants, whether it's education, not keeping up with the technology, whether it's the economy, whether it's housing, whether it's racist, uh, emergent, issues that are happening in polarized politics, wherever it is, it's the rapid complex change is causing a lot of chaos and uncertainty. And I think never before have we seen on every level, every institution is challenged and the values that are underpinning those are being challenged, which is fabulous opportunity for innovation. So I'm not sure that the challenge that we're experiencing on every level has developed the leaders to absolutely see this as an opportunity, particularly if they come from a, a paradigm of the old traditional model that I'm in charge, I'm in control, I can't show anybody I'm going crazy myself, I'm not sure what to do, what's the latest research, I don't need research, I'm in charge, I've done this. So there's that whole lack of preparation for a kind of leadership that I call global leadership, which is collaborative, inclusive, messy, wonderful, dynamic, uncertain, and absolutely open to possibilities. And so I think this is the challenge, is how do we define that leadership? Who is ready? And for most of us, if we're not, if we're in the old traditional model, we're afraid that not me. I don't want to do it because it's too yeah. uncertain. Yeah. And most people in most institutions, I'll talk from education, they've been trained that only the person in charge in that position is the leader. And we have failed to invite the diverse leadership capacity that's sitting around the tables to the table so that we can have difficult conversations. And many of us deny our capacity they want to, we want to, doesn't matter what age, if we haven't used that language, it's what I deal with when I have the international students are all post-grad and they come to me with a deficit model. I'm not sure I can do it. I'm not, I'm new. I say, wait a minute, you are courageous. You showed up. You're here. You've got something. 
half of you are engineers. I don't have a clue. We're going to have this as a learning climate. So even our workspaces, our homes should be learning spaces where we actually reward people for risking and being invited and engaged. So I think that's why I wrote that book, Global Leadership. Mm -hmm. Apart from having trouble getting a job when I returned after an international stint, huh. it's uh, I really took a risk and went into medical professionalism because I was fascinated with the lack of reflection and hierarchy of medicine is so clearly hierarchical that I think I was surprised. So it really made me dig deep within myself. And that's the challenge for all of us. It's not just the leaders in position. It's all of us have to see ourselves as part of a global family. We are all responsible for change internally and collectively. So that's the challenge. Thank you for that, Mary. As you were talking, I heard, I heard things about like collaboration and something akin to uh, goal alignment. And mm -hmm. it brought me back to sort of my early experiences in uh, lead, emerging in leadership. And I had taken over a really, a, a group of people that were in disarray, lots of mistakes, lots of blaming. It was a very, you know, um, toxic environment. And we did some education, we did some training, we did some uh, goal alignment, and they just they became more and more motivated. They took more and more stuff on mm -hmm. themselves. And I was very proud of this because they were, mm -hmm. they weren't consulting with me anymore. They were sort of mm -hmm. telling me after the fact what they had done. Mm -hmm. This was exactly mm -hmm. where I wanted to, to be. And then I would go away for a week mm -hmm. and the whole thing would just fall apart. And I, or I take a two week vacation and they, it didn't seem to stick. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the other day I was hearing about another young person emerging in a, a new leadership role that has a lot of people reporting. And he was experiencing the same sort of thing. He saw great strides in his staff and they were doing things really well and it's in the restaurant industry. So, you know, things like cleanliness and making sure that the money is accounted for and deposited and stuff. And he went away and nobody did the stuff that they were normally doing at the end of the day. And he found that really frustrating. And so I was wondering, what is it that, what is this about goal alignment? Like, how do you get this goal alignment and this motivation and this collaboration to stick when you as a leader walk out the door? It's a great question. I, many times I went for staff meetings outside the school and I prayed hard that the police oh. weren't there or that, something didn't happen, a fire, fire, something going, somebody jumping out a window. Like I've worked in high risk places. I understand it's, I think, I think we have to step back and look at all people who work, all employees from caretaker to administrative assistant, to the crossing guard, to the person at the front desk in a hotel and start redefining the language around leadership to say, you know what, we're depending on you to lead. You are an influencer. I think most of us, if we're given a job and we're not ready, we're scared. So what do we do when the parent's not around? We regress, we have a party. We relax. It's a comfort zone. It's much easier when we can say, see, she didn't do a very good job of training us or he didn't. It's really a normal, natural process, and we're wired for comfort. And we're not all wired, and we don't have the language. And our school systems have never, particularly in the professionals, like being a dentist or a doctor or a business person, doesn't matter, dent denture, denture person, um, web design. We never see, you know what, you're a leader. Everything you do has an impact. What we do is we focus on skills, we focused on marks, we focused on competition, and we truly have not done a great job of working on reinforcing that identity. And that professional language has to start with, with children and getting our seat. You're, you're in charge of your own body and you're in charge of a space here of kindness. And it will feel better. So you have to have enough experiences with the head and the heart and the spirit feels aligned. We often as leaders want the, our goals 
of the institution, which of course we do want them aligned. But if people are out of alignment internally, we have to support them so they have an experience where they truly belong. So Mary, with what you're saying and what Leslie asked and what Sylvia asked, I have a burning platform question for you. Mm -hmm. Can a goal be accomplished without commitment? I think the commitment has to come more from all. It can't just come from the leader because a leadership right. is about creating a, a tone and a safe space. And it's really paradoxically the courage to stand alone, articulate a vision, but paradoxically to build a community of trust. Mm -hmm. It's all about relationships. And so, if you're so unable to do that, nobody's goal is going to be aligned so I'm totally on board with what you're saying. I could write 10 books about it. But my question is, how mature mm. does a leader have to be to be able to understand how they commit, how mm -hmm. to get somebody else to commit? Well, it really goes back to the initial question around challenge. If we okay. are going to all see ourselves as leaders, one of the things that came into my awareness late in my career is this false belief that everybody took time to reflect and make sense of their experience. And that, I have to Doesn't say, happen. through most of my career, thinking everybody must be thinking. But it's not feeling, because we all feel. We, we feel engaged or disengaged. But to be able to reflect on your experience and make sense of it requires a discipline. And when I was doing my doctoral work, that's what motivated me to actually begin a program there where students were asked to reflect on their clinical experience in an island that's very impoverished. And most, a lot of them are American and their understanding of healthcare is not Canadian. And so it really bothered me. And that's how I ended up starting a doctorate, thinking I'm going to do the research on professionalism. And I discovered that Right now we're into technology and we're into, um, you know, the sciences and STEM and all that. That's, that makes sense. But we better be careful because if we don't have the discipline, if we don't create that discipline of reflecting on their experiences, if we don't teach them how to do it, it doesn't get taught. It doesn't get learned and it doesn't get applied. And Mandela was forced. He's a very practical leader, but he was forced when he was in his cell and wrote to his wife, Winnie, and said, I'm, I don't know if he said, I'm thank God. He said, I'm grateful for the cell that it gives me time to reflect yeah. and integrate. And we don't, we don't teach people how to do that. We teach them to win the mark of their professional right, confidence. Right. So I so, think so that is reflective there, capacity is, is, is what I there think. an age? I mean, I've, I've an answer to my own question, but I don't want, to talk about that, I want to talk about what you think. Is there an age when mm. an individual, man, woman, whatever continent, whatever, actually has the capacity to understand what the word reflect means and the time to do it? Is there an age? I think it's a process. And, you know, know, some people are more able start. and more natural, but we have nowhere in our family, in our systems, in our language, do we ever say we're going to pause for 10 minutes and reflect? I've seen mm -hmm. five-year-olds, I mean, for two minutes, go close your eyes and think about what just happened and what could you do differently? And, of course, I used to have students say, well, I won't kick him, but his head shouldn't come to the ground, which really <laughs> they were trying to say. They saw it but they had not taken responsibility yet. But that act of reflecting and recreating what happened, I think we have to start young. I don't think there's a magic age. I think people, it's the mm. research shows, people who science backgrounds, science and math backgrounds, without the liberal arts, without some of those, the literature and the, you know, those kinds of subjects, they, they don't do it very easily because mm. they like right and right, right, wrong answers. Mm. I think that's why we're missing it. 
mm-hmm. in most of our, and now we're building capacity where we're talking about diverse work environment and we're going to have trouble for the engineer talking to the salesperson. The salesperson's going to have to talk a different language to Yes. If, if yes. we don't reflect on what's not working and what is working, and we don't take responsibility for finding the insight and checking in with somebody, mm-hmm. it's not a singular act. It's a process. If we don't teach it, no one's going to learn it. So, so Mary, what is the challenge that leaders are facing in their ability or capacity or understanding or whatever you want to call it? to manage their own mm. inner state not well, just the existential well, but their own inner mm-hmm. and 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 do they even do it i think as long as they work in isolation we'll never mm. know if we begin to see leadership as a collaborative process then you have a right to question what do i do with that experience and i have a right to ask you I think it's a process and it's about self-awareness. That was never a big component. It was about success. How do you get promoted? Well, you've been successful at something or you have a competence, but we never really reviewed that continuous learning. We're grappling with it now. We're not even sure what to prioritize. Do we prioritize the technology? Do we prioritize the cultural awareness? That's why in my own book, I, I identified seven competencies. One, the beginning is the connecting to self. If people are not connected to themselves, whether it's taking a walk in nature, if they're not connecting to their spirit, if they're not renewing, great leaders are burning out because they mm-hmm. believe it's their themselves. Mm-hmm. There's a big mm-hmm. pressure, as we all know. You're mm-hmm. all in leadership spot. We've all felt that pressure, pressure mm-hmm. of giving, giving, giving till we're on empty, and add gender to it, and we're working on empty a lot. So it's going to take a whole system change around how do we understand leadership? How do we help people become aware and celebrate themselves? How do we help people stop, pause, and reflect, and then make it meaningful? So, Sylvia, I think this is for you to take question number four. This has sort of fallen out just like a beautiful smorgasbord. <laughs> oh, really? Yes, I was I was listening and so fascinated by you talking, Mary, uh, and taking me on a journey as I'm as we're we've been having this conversation how leaders get promoted because they're mm-hmm. experts, they're professional in in, in whatever mm-hmm. field, mm-hmm. and now they get into these positions and oh my God, mm-hmm. what has mm-hmm. happened? Now they can't mm-hmm. lead because they were not hired mm-hmm. to be leaders. Mm-hmm. They're hired because they're good as experts in exactly. whatever that 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 was mm-hmm. so um mm-hmm. so there's confusion mm-hmm. so there's change and i and i like how you positioned how there's just so much change like this is really mm-hmm. the big challenge like there's mm-hmm. just so much and it's complex um, it's not singular and and i'm not sure we've seen this kind of you know this mm-hmm. kind of knot mm-hmm. of changes all in the same mm-hmm. in the, in the mm-hmm. same time so um, the question I'm going to ask you is, is what is the, as a leader, what is the first step or strategy you would employ in the current confusion that we're in and, and, and this, this constant change that we're facing daily, whether it's technology changes, whether it's all kinds of, you know, systemic changes uh, that, that are happening. So what would be that first step or strategy that, that a leader should employ? I think it's honestly, I, I don't mean to repeat, but they have to commit to a discipline of reflection, of reflective practice, taking a look at their experiences every day, whether it's 10 or 15 minutes. I remember hearing about Obama say, how do you manage when everybody's at you and you're making this? He said, I close my door for 10 minutes and I don't let anybody bother me. That takes discipline. And I had to learn it myself as I think, okay, I'm, I'm an open door policy leader. Isn't it wonderful? Well, no, because at the end of the day, I started to have to do my work because I was holding hands and encouraging and celebrating. I, I mean, I'm a people person. So I had to learn it as a discipline to say, how uncomfortable are you? Close the door. Take 10 minutes. Take a deep breath. Connect your head and your heart. 
your spirit. Are you still running on empty or are you renewing? Take 10 minutes, maybe feet on the desk, whatever position and deep breathe. I never did this before when I taught, but I do it now with the students who over COVID. When I said before we start class, we have to take three deep breaths <laughs> and you have to just focus on your breath as a gift. This is an opportunity to live, to learn, to love, to create a space here. Take three deep breaths, and now we're going to begin. And I've had guest speakers say, I'm sure, I've never heard anybody start a class, but my work in reflective practice and seeing the deficit and seeing it as a tool that we don't want to use because it's uncomfortable. Because we're geared to thinking, I don't want anybody to see my mistake. But in fact, what it's beautiful is it's like a tapestry. If you steep, if you take every incident, even if you start with what's what's going well, and you celebrate, you have the joy of your work. And you're able to model other people having that that responsibility. Not a privilege, it's a responsibility. If you're an influencer, any kind, whether you're a weaver, whether you're making craft beer, you have to have a discipline where you're with yourself and say, how did that go? What went well? Where am I having difficulty? Who? Why am I having difficulty with Sylvia? How is it we end up in conflict every time we talk? What's going on? What are my values? What am I believing? I don't trust her. She doesn't trust me. What can we do about that? Is this the time to share the reflection? No. I'm not ready. How do I dig deep? And we're not taught to do that because we're taught to be sure. We're taught to move with confidence, competence. And I'm asking you paradoxically, start a discipline to think about yourself and your experiences and make make them matter. And I would do that. If I ran a school again, that's why I wrote this book, that everybody would have 10, 10 minutes at the end of the day. Child, inside just close your eyes if you want to use art use art if you want to just be quiet no you don't even have to you can go asleep nobody care take the <laughs> discipline of being quiet to just reflect on the day celebrate when when went well what what brought you joy what disturbed you what do you keep repeating because we avoid those those discomforts because we think they're weakness but really they're opportunities to address our failure and realize we can build and we can grow. And I think that's the hope. That's the leader is remind people, hey, we all have something special here. Let's take a deep breath, pause, reflect. Look what went well. How do we repeat that? How did this project, what went well when I wasn't here in this space? How, you went to your neighbor and you took a tea break. I don't know what you did, but if it worked, it worked. I don't need to know about it. What are you going to take responsibility for? Just connecting to yourself, the lack of self-awareness. Just look at the, the leaders. There's a real pull to dictatorship because people are afraid. So they're like, oh, thank God it's coming from outside of me. I don't need to worry. He'll take it. He'll fix it. You know? So we're. And if you I don't, I can blame you. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We see it operating. We see it on every level. And every time there's some people that have shown some reflection, they're considered weak. And they're named and shamed. I'm not even talking political, but we see it. And we've seen it over the COVID where people have legitimate concerns, but people polarized and refused even research. So how do we do that? We need to have people realize their own capacity for growth and their own capacity to find joy because we act and out a lot their own fear, capacity right? for what actually motivate what and are they purpose motivated? for sure yeah mm, purpose and passion you know yeah. i gibran said it best work is love made visible and in our work whether it's even at home whether it's your parent whether it's your community work that work is a sign of your love for for the community we're global citizens. And we have to shift that, not just my community, not just my condo. It matters to me that the guy out the street is sleeping there all night. I have to figure out, you know what, the point of it is, as a leader, what am I going to give up? 
And for us in privilege, we have to ask, what are we really willing to share? Because that's pretty scary. Yeah, it is. And that's what the world needs more of us to kind of rebalance, look at really what the values are underpinning our life. And it's very scary. That's why change is so complex. So it starts with the individual. Um, without reflection, we go blindly on our way. And um, I remember the first time I read that from Margaret Wheatley, who's that big organizational change person from America. She is so exhausted from systemic work globally that she runs retreats now and helps people with yoga, meditation, and reviewing their own body-spirit connection to their own humanity. She, she works with individual leaders, not systems, because the systems right now we're thinking we should, if only we could change that we could, we have to kind of find ways to help ourselves stay healthy mentally and spiritually. So the leaders themselves are disengaged and lonely and confused and scared and scared, but they're not allowed to be. So they have mm -hmm. to pretend. Mm -hmm. So then the followers mm -hmm. are now double scared. Yep. And so what we need to start challenging people is the right questions, because that's the basis of reflection. How did this happen? What am I, what is my responsibility? What can I offer to make this different? We need to do that right from the time people start school. This is a space we all belong to. When I start at the beginning, many of the students have come from another country, so they're not used to uh, learning space that way. They're used to the teacher chalk talk exam. I say, well, this is a joint space, so you have to have two questions. Let's, I'll give you some sample. I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. A big silence. Oh, my mic's broke. How could 30 mics be broken at first? So it, it's, it's what I say is, okay, I'm going to start celebrating those who have the courage to take a risk. Make a mistake, I'll be happy which is a crazy way to think about it, but that's learning. So we need to step back and say, what am I afraid of? I'm afraid, I don't want people not to like me. I remember wanting to be a leader, but I knew that crucifixion sometimes was not far off. They wanted, <laughs> because I was asking questions that people weren't comfortable with. How can I get you and you? How can we have team meetings in a different way? How can you share something? What is your concern? What are we going to do? I, don't, I didn't have the answers. I only had the questions. So I think it's a real paradigm shift. If I we're responsible for each other, then yeah. we have to connect to ourselves first. Yeah, you, you, you mentioned uh, risk and being wrong. I think the other paradigm we need to shift, Mary, is the mm -hmm. one where we punish people mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. taking a risk and failing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. far greater than we reward those who take mm -hmm. a risk and and uh, and mm -hmm. win mm -hmm. and people feel punished by taking a risk so they don't stick their neck out they don't they uh they they kind of stay within the system i think sometimes mm -hmm. because of that when you well, i think science is actually forcing us to look at uh evidence-based decision making in mm -hmm. the past i relied on your experience but now we're saying, what's the evidence? What's what's the impact of this decision going to have economically, socially, culturally? Have we got enough diversity around the table? They've just done research over COVID. I think it was Microsoft that, yes, we're doing far greater in the last 10 years to, in, to hire diversity, more women in these roles, mm -hmm. more people with different languages, different cultural background, different age and gender orientation, all that. But we haven't learned how to engage. That's right. Oh, so right. sitting sitting at a diverse mm -hmm. table together, but nobody's given time or mm -hmm. space to share a reflection, even a fun. We don't bring and and Mary, I would add to that. Um, that nobody's actually taught them how to do that. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. skill of it. Mm -hmm. Um it's mm -hmm. very sad. But it's also, as we look at some of the young people, I believe if we start talking about leadership as part of curriculum, as part of when you talk about dentists or 
whatever you're a leader i said i i use that now i just did a presentation in the in the caribbean in last february and they were looking at anti-colonization i said the truth is every professional develop every professional um institution whether it's dentistry whatever it is business we have to add the curriculum that people are leaders and then we have to discipline them to have a habit of reflection not all papers right or wrong we have to be really comfortable with with a qualitative answer get people to talk and get the insight share their insight we don't have the problem we don't have solutions for all of the refugees and the spacing and the housing but i suspect there's other places that have a lot of models and they have some ideas we don't ask them and we also have this privileged way of being a leader, like we're in this position, so we know better. And in fact, if we reflect on what we're not sure about, who do we ask? It's not often the people we're serving. So there's there's disjoints, and it's because we didn't learn it. And this is so, Mary. I, I I love what you're saying. Years ago, um, uh, cut to the chase here. So very senior executive in a big organization, I won't say which, um, was in charge of the whole communication infrastructure technology. The uh, new CEO, I'd asked for him to cut his budget by, uh, I don't know, $10 million a year, something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So we had a conversation and he said, well, you know, this is what I have to do. And I heard about you. And um, I wonder if you could do a survey for me. And I kind of rolled my eyes and I said, well, I, I could. I, I don't like surveys. What would we do the survey for? He said, well, I have about a thousand people reporting to me and I don't know what they do. I said, oh. And so he said, I thought we'd do a survey. And I remember looking at him and I said, um, so why don't you ask them? <laughs> and I thought he was going to melt down. Mm -hmm. And so we designed a thing and we asked the questions and they gave us the answers. Mm -hmm. And I remember we got to a point and I said, okay, we got all these answers. And it was all chunked up and down and it took months. And he said, now what? And I said, well, I think you should just tell them to go ahead and do it. And he said, well, do you think they're right? I said, I've got no idea, but they do and you don't know. So let's go. And if it doesn't work, he said, I said, well, I don't know. We'll pick up the pieces and figure out what does work. Well, of course, it worked like a pixie dust. But it's to your point, Mary, of what do you call an engagement or collaboration or self-reflection or having a conversation or but the discipline mm -hmm. to actually shut up and listen to somebody mm -hmm. after you've asked a really hard question because questions are hard mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what the answer is it's what the answer is mm -hmm. it's why we have difficulty having a difficult conversation and yeah. all my conflict i ran conflict programs for almost 10 years in the school board and i trained mediation and all that and i still have trouble with conflict because i i read immediately <laughs> assess am i really going to have to nurture you so you feel safe because yeah, you probably never had it and i get told you're so direct no wonder we have problems well yeah i am so <laughs> i have to keep really watching myself was that tone nice enough like i get it because i'm very it sounds like i'm confident but really i'm quite scared having some conversations that are difficult because i know that that uh, it won't it won't make people feel comfortable well, you know, so I can relate to that. Yeah, I can. That. I certainly can relate to that. There's a few clients, mostly men from time to time, that really, they are just so difficult. And they're nice guys and they're smart guys and all that jazz. 
So I'll say to my husband, Kevin, I don't know if I can do this one. And you know what he says to me? Well, have you made them cry yet? <laughs> so it's a, it's a very big challenge. Sure. But it's also the model if you're genuinely honest. Which right. Is, of course, that's a construct. If you're really authentic and you have joy and you yeah. really believe in the vision. Yeah. You're going to be vulnerable and say, I don't know, some days. You're going to say, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I think yeah. I'd like to retire. Uh, like, I think you need a sense of humor. I think you need a sense of humanity. <laughs> you need to go into your room and cry a few times. I used to go into the bathroom schools when people would be angry and shouting. It's like, oh my God. Because I'm very short. So some people are very tall. <laughs> come in and very start yelling over me and I would be paralyzed like so you know I've just I'll be right back I just got to check on something go into the bath take a deep breath and say you know I don't hear very well unless we're sitting down <laughs> because I couldn't you know you couldn't hold your own no well some of them are six feet especially some of the men like yelling like I was like that's right. not how I work on this but a I was a female at a time I both schools that I took over were where each school I was took in took over in high risk areas, were had a large history of men, and I was a woman, and they thought, well, she can't know too much. She's pretty weak. Plus, she has a counseling background. You know those people, <laughs> and um, so you know they're very weak. Those people, you know, not too action oriented, and that was a mistake. I mean, that was their belief, but I had to work with it. I had to look mm -hmm. at my own patterns and say, okay. So maybe you need to use a bit more sense of humor and hmm. have people in for coffee and start rewarding people for showing up and, you know, not being resistant openly. Uh, I remember having, this was so basic for me, I thought I better separate my, it was during times of people having strikes, you know, and so people would not have supply teachers. So I would take one division and the staff of 50 people say, okay, everybody comes to the same seats for the last 10 years. So what we're going to do today, I want you to switch with a primary and an intermediate and an intermediate. And I'd like you to switch. And I had one person walk out, like stamp their feet. You're asking me to change my seat. Mm. Wouldn't want you to change an attitude. So even that, it's that was my, that was my need it came from a reflection you're asking people to change a way of communicating when you haven't even made a simple little request and then taken the flack mm. because i mean it wasn't pleasant but some of the simple things that i tried because i was desperate to get that engagement and to get that trust to get that community of safety and belonging uh was an invitation to share power with me you you decide where you want to sit. You make the change. And a lot of resistance because we're all human. We we're wired to be comfortable. In in your experience, Mary, what was the biggest barrier to to that? With you know, you you obviously came up with some really really cool ideas and and through reflection, clearly you practiced through reflection. it through mm -hmm. reflection. What was the biggest barrier in, in introducing it? So obviously you wouldn't have known right off the bat, like, I'm going to do this. I want to see what they're going to react at. Well, you know, you didn't know going into it. You've, you've had a, a feeling of, or a thought yeah. that this will work. But my mistake was I thought everybody reflected and I never yeah, gave yeah. them a, ch okay. I should have shared earlier to say, you know what? I don't know, but I'm going to take some time. I used to be the one to try to, comfort people so that they come up with their idea when I should have even say you know what let's all take 10 minutes let's get some teams going let me leave the place let you take over so where you can let me know what your solution is and I I did that as I moved through my career but I, when you do it I've done a PhD in leadership in education and we just did styles of leadership and analyzed some of our own patterns but the unconscious bias and the biases that we all, I have ne that was 10 years ago. I never did that. I've had to continue learning. So you because got, as you, I reflect, I you, see the patterns. I know what I'm afraid of. I know what's holding me back. I can't assume the same for you. But if I do the work and then say, you know what I had to do? You wouldn't believe how limited I was. You can't believe what I didn't know yesterday. 
that I'm not sure about. Like that kind of language unsettles people. They're like, either she's crazy or it's safe. I don't have to go to her, but I can do it on my team. And I, and I think we have, the leaders have to create spaces of safety and welcoming and belonging because we're diverse and be willing to be humble. Laugh. I, I'm gonna uh, quote uh, Roz here. So you got you got out of your own way. Sounds like <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. sometimes. I'm, I'm a learner. To be honest, I'm a learner more than an educator. I'm a learner, and if I if I see all the experiences as insights for learning, I'm happy because it makes me feel alive, and it's tapping into my potential. That wherever I am, I'm more aware of our, our similarities and differences. And I wanna create space where, where I make a difference. And as we age, of course, we don't wanna waste time. So I, I assess what I'm comfortable with. And when I'm not, I do my own work. Quite so imagine a world where yeah. we all saw yeah. ourselves as leaders, all sharing responsibility. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool? You know what? It would be fabulous. Yeah, Lots of chaos, but more opportunities, people would partner up, people would be able to brainstorm because really we're missing that innovative. The creativity comes with divergent working through, like it doesn't come from us all agreeing, but no. most of us are afraid to sit at a table because people will find out what we don't know and what we're inadequate. And that takes courage and that's where the leadership I think comes in. It's okay if nobody's talking to me at the end of the day, has something happened here in this climate where people feel more empowered to speak, to use their voice, to share who they are, then this is a better space and I can leave now. They don't need me. And I guess that's what I really believe. I really, I see it as almost a real gift, leadership. We all have it. We just don't want it because it's work to development. And we look at the models we have and it's not working. And our institutions are blowing up and they're still trying to do the same thing in a rapid pace without the discipline of stopping to say, gee, where am I stuck? So I think the conversations need to be different. I'm on board with your entire approach. Thank philosophy. you. I love your sense of humor, Mary. Oh, thank you. And I'm remembering as we're talking so many times that were so much fun. Mm. And I think you'd come for an hour and stay for two. I can't remember. But mm. anyway, it's lovely to see you. I'm Beautiful. so glad thank that you. we got to catch up again. Thank you. Yeah. I remember one of the beautiful things when I went the first time they allowed me to do reflective practice. I did it in simulation lab. So it was an ER room, a fake, a fake plastic patient. And the patient died on the table. Oh, dear. And the, the, of course, there were lots of chaos and the two doctors. And I was supposed to observe. And when they figured out that, you know, they looked at the bag and it turned out that they didn't read the uh, do not resuscitate. So there was lots of problems. It was a, it was a fake person. So, but then they left me to the reflection. And I had people crying like, I didn't expect my patient to die. I said, look, you're only in your first six months. It, it's plastic. Calm <laughs> down. Calm down. He didn't hear you. He didn't see you. He didn't, yeah. you know, when they have to pump regularly, there's a rhythm. Did you know that? Yeah. There's a, so there were little things that the, either they didn't do well or they took their hand off the patient when there was scale. Like, like, who do I, like, there were lots of things happening. And it was their first time working as a team. And so when they left, you know, I had people there that said, I don't want anybody to die. I'm leaving medicine. And they went, wow. to, do they went to do a PhD in research. I had two people like that after a session. They were angry at me, but they realized they were in the wrong. Mm -hmm. And some people had not dealt with some of their death. Like, that guy reminded me of my grandfather and I didn't go to his funeral. They would start. I said, this is beautiful because your heart and your head have to be together. How are you going to serve a patient? Like, it was beautiful. And that was just before I start. I made the decision. You know what? I know it's crazy, but I'm going to do my PhD. I want to learn more. And I want to be in a spot where I can say that I've done the research. 
Lovely, Mary. That's so wonderful. crazy, crazy. Cost a lot of money in the American, but it, it really, it's just, it's to me, I feel very blessed. Because work is love made visible. And we are all in a part trying to figure it out. In our workspaces are changing. We don't even know where they were at home or on Rome. Like I teach on remote. I've had people call me after the subway. Don't don't ask me. I'm on the subway. <laughs> well, you know, this, your team is waiting for, you know, I have to laugh a lot. Hurry up. Because people are desperate. They're trying. They're house hunting. They're they're living in very crowded positions. You know? And we're asking them to come here and get acculturated in, in two years and get a job. And like the pressures I've seen, I've, I've really been quite humbled with the, the bravery of these young people. If we live them space, we're going to learn from them. Yeah. Because they bring us something quite different. Resilience and uh, courage, I think. You, you, know? you clearly uh, try to get to know the, the people that uh, you lead either in your classes or in your teams. Right. What? How do you do that, and and what are you trying to learn about those people? It's a good question. I think the secret is curiosity. I am so fascinated by what makes you tick, or what's motivating you, or what brings you joy. Like, not I'm really interested in that. So I remember uh, one of the staff people who was always cutting out early from work. And I had a lot of judgment about like, what the heck? No, sticking out the bell. As soon as the bell rang, like ready, coat, gone. And I said, you know what? I've got to be curious rather than judgmental. So I would brought the person and said, you know what? You're in a great hurry. Uh, I wish I could go with you. Um, where are you going? Like, are you having an affair? Like what's going on? What's, what's speeding you up at this age? And she told me how she was feeding a partner it was her mother in a, in a hospital. I, she had to go across. And when I realized all of the things she did, getting up at four in the morning, making the meal for the family, I was like, I had a whole different approach. So I know my pattern. I know what I get judged, what I judge. What I, so I say, mm, 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 mm. let me find out about that. Let me ask them or ask them if you're in my spot, what would you suggest? If you could fix, give you a magic wand, tell me what you want me to do today. What will bring you, what will bring you some less stress? What, what is it? What do you need? I mean, I don't think that's blunt all the time, but you know, you get to know people, you, you feed them in a way, you feed them encouragement, right? Just like you have a coffee tea. Yeah. Thank you for showing up today. Thank you for your work. We don't do enough of that appreciating our humanity do we? we we're really especially leaders we're so driven for results and goals so i i really think it's the connection it's the uh-huh. creating a space where connections can happen where people can care about the least of us and help each other grow that's all we have that's all we have i've i've learned so much listening to you mary oh thank you it just thank grounded you. It just grounded me. It grounded what Beautiful. leadership mm-hmm. should be about. Mm-hmm. And you know, we 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 have this major program at the city, and and we talk mm-hmm. about people leader. We have to reach a mm-hmm. people leader. And and you know the the epiphany mm-hmm. that I've had listening to you, mm-hmm. it's all people are leaders. Exactly. So if we change that that sentence to you know mm-hmm. how do we reach the people leaders? How do we make all mm-hmm. people leaders? Because that's what really it's about. It's really about helping people tap into their potential and see themselves as a leader. Yeah. So I don't say, are you? I say, mm-hmm. you realize you're a leader, you know, you have a problem. Like, I need to hear from you. <laughs> you're the leader. I'm just here to learn from you. Come on. let's. And they're appalled. Like, they're just, this woman's a bit off. Like, that's not the paradigm they're used to, particularly with business and engineering students. They want to know what's right. Is there a mark? And I want to get an A. I say, well, there is no A. It's going to be qualitative papers, reflection papers. And I've had people after class, you want me to think. Is that what you're saying? Mm. 
I'll give you an example. I do career development in one of the courses. So the the first question after their Myers, what are, what are three values that are important to you that have to be in the workplace? Most of them are business. They're all, it's a post-grad program and I'm doing the career. And I, a woman stayed after and said, I, I, I'm having trouble with the, with the question on the paper. What part? You asked for three values. I don't have any. I only know, I only know my mother's. <laughs> I said, you know what? There's a textbook with three pages. That's one way. Let's take the book out. I had to, I had to not laugh. I had to really feel compassion because I can't relate to that, right? So I, right. okay, so whose values? Only what my mother tells me. I, I mean, I've been on my own since I can't tell you. So I can't relate to that. So I said, you know what? Tell me what your degree, you've got a marketing degree or whatever it was. That takes a lot of creativity. Would you say creativity is important when you go to the work? That's right. And that's what we did. We went through, what are your experiences? Where have you worked? What do you like to do? Do you like art? Do you like what? I love marketing. Well, what about that? I didn't work it through. And, and believe me, she left feeling so empowered. And all I did was ask questions. Mm -hmm. And when you say, how do you connect? I was just curious. Like, yeah, I, I know, you know, but you're just not used to answering like that. That's right. That's yeah. right, Mary. So I thought it was beautiful. I'm never I totally agree. Beautiful. I get lucky every day. I get to learn something new and and I get to reflect on on how really rich I am and how impoverished so I need to keep looking at ways to improve who I am. And today you shared it with us Mary and um wanted thank to you. to take the moment thank to thank you for thank for you. being here today and uh and uh, you know we we could be here for hours. I just, right. you put me into a trance. I could just sit here and Beautiful. listen to you. Just so, so, so nice. And uh, well, I wish that I could hear more about your experience so we could really do some applied reflective work. Cause that's the magic that I do with my coaching is, is getting to reflect and dig deep and not run away. There's a pattern there. Let's have All right, girls, here. I've got a house in the Caymans we can use for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. This has been absolutely, I have all these little notes. I haven't looked at anything because the truth is when you are who you are, it comes out. You can't fake it. Right. No. Thanks so again, you Mary. You are also doing a great, great uh, job because you're sharing the lessons with other people on your great topic. Beautiful. Perfect timing. Thank you for your time very much. Thank you. Very, Thank you. And I, I really love, I love your approach about this reflection. I, that's giving me Thank something you. to reflect upon. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, I'll have to give you a copy of my book. Yeah. It'll take you through uh, seven months of, it. okay. Thank okay. you so much for being here with me today. Thanks Perfect. so much, Mary. Right. Take care. Have a good evening. You too. Take care. Thank Take you. Care. Bye. Bye. Bye.